Well, before I, uh, we go into the Word today, I just want to encourage you and let you know that there is a further reason beyond a happy Mother's Day to celebrate today. We have one of our very own missionaries who is going to be joining us actually back yesterday. We'll be here today. Uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to say hello to her. Her name is Chris Camaro. We sent her last fall to the Philippines. She's returning for the summer. Um, she'll actually be joining the women at Tuesday's Join the Morning Breakfast. It's their end-of-year brunch, so hopefully women, uh, you can make it to that where Chris will be sharing what God has done in and through her this past year. I'm sure it's going to be a great celebration and, uh, and really cool to see how Chris has grown uh, through serving the Lord on the mission field this year. So hopefully you'll, you'll join the women for that. Uh, you know, these past couple of weeks, we've had the, the joy of celebrating Global Outreach Conference, as Pastor Dave said. We, we had a chance to hear from a couple different speakers and to, to understand what God has been doing through their lives. Hopefully, you've taken advantage of the many opportunities to actually go and hear some of them share their testimony, hear what God has been doing in their lives, in their ministry, uh, and, and really get a chance to hear even multiple times from some of the speakers, because as you, I'm sure, imagine, uh, each time the Lord puts a little bit of a different story on their heart to share, maybe a different emphasis of their time, and, and you've had a chance to hear a little bit about that. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's really cool that we get a chance in listening to this to actually hear the scriptures jump off the pages of our Bibles and to hear what God's doing right now. You, you may remember before Jesus ascended to heaven, he was, he was with his disciples and he gave them a commandment. He said, go therefore make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded them. Our missionaries are doing that very thing right now, and we get the chance to take a part in that, to play a role in that. He, he also, Jesus said to his followers, uh, as Luke records for us in Acts, he says, you'll be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, we, we're playing a role in that. It's really cool to see the missionaries doing this very thing of inviting people into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's the mission of the church, the mission of the church that began when Jesus founded the church and it continues to this day. This very mission that we play a role in until Jesus returns. Pastor Dave has been talking with us since February about that day, one day when Jesus returns and, and what things will look like as we approach that day. So what I want us to think about today is preparing for that day, living in this period of time before Jesus' return. So, so yes, the Word of God has a lot to say about what that, that day will look like someday, but, but it's our knowledge of that future that God has prepared for us that, that should shape how we live our lives of faith today, this day, May 14th, 2017. See, God's invited us to trust him and to follow him. God's inviting us to, 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 to put our future in his hands, to, to seek first his kingdom and say, God, we trust you with, with our future. We put it in your hands. He's inviting us to trust our families to him and to trust the future of our families to him and put them in his hands. One of the earliest accounts in the Bible we have of God doing this is of Abraham. You may remember who Abraham, he's, he, he's one of the, the, the men, he's the man that God first gave the promise to, right? He, he's the one who God made a promise to, to make him the father of many nations, to give him a land, to, to bless the earth through him. And God told Abraham, he said, now you go. But God didn't tell Abraham where to go. He said, go and I will show you where I'm leading you. We're told later on in Genesis, Moses recounts for us that Abraham obeyed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. 
What about, what about us? Are, in living in these days before Christ's return, is it possible that God has, has also called you out into a wilderness as he called Abraham to follow him in faith out into a wilderness? You know, today is, is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, by the way. It's a day when we celebrate the faithfulness and love of the mothers in our lives. But the reality is being a parent, raising a child to, to be a disciple of Jesus, it's a bit of a, of a trial, and it's a bit of a wilderness in and of itself. We don't often talk about Mother's Day from this perspective, but, but what about celebrating the sleepless nights and the many tears that mothers shed on our behalf? What about celebrating the worry and the stress they've endured out of love for their children and their well-being? Being a mother, or a father for that, for that matter, is an invitation into the wilderness with Jesus, where our faith is cultivated and grown as we deeply depend on him in faith. Every joy of parenting is matched with frustration where you realize how deeply dependent you are on God for the patience and the strength to raise your child well. Now, I don't know if, if you know this, but here at Trinity, we've started up a new ministry called Special Care Ministry, and it's intended to serve uh, individuals with special needs and, and to serve their families as well. I, I don't know if you know this, but some within the, uh, the world of uh, special needs care believe this to be one of the biggest unreached people groups here in the United States, families with individuals uh, of loved ones with special needs. Raising a child with, with special needs is not an easy task. While, while trying to familiarize myself with, with this ministry and what it could be, I came across an article written by a mother. And, and I want to read just part of the article for us, not the whole thing, but, but certainly part of it, when she talks about what it means to be a mother of a child with special needs. She says, Between constant individualized education program meetings, doctors with specialties you never knew existed, collecting your own data, advocating and dealing with insurance, being a mom to a child with special needs becomes a full-time job, or a few full-time jobs put together. Packed with stress, success, steps forward, steps backward, heartache, and joy. But my son is a child of God, created in his image. He has purpose. Being Ethan's mother is not a burden to me. Please don't make assumptions that, that I need to be relieved of my child, that I'm not deeply interested in him knowing the Lord. Being a parent of a child with special needs has its challenges, but I have hopes for my son like any parent has for their child. I want Ethan to develop a relationship with God. I want him to be part of a church community. See, parenting is hard. If you listen to the heart of this mother, she loves her child. She loves her Ethan. But it doesn't make it easy. We don't always know what the right thing to do for our child is. She doesn't always know what the right thing to do for her son is. But like this mother shares with us, the journey of parenting is difficult and exhausting. But just as she has a goal for her son, to be a part of a church community, to develop a relationship with God, there is a place to envision on the other side of the wilderness. A place that God is leading us to. See, in the wilderness of parenting, God shapes our hearts. He grows our dependence and our faith in him. God gives you a heart like his as you walk through the trial of whatever difficulties you face in the wilderness. And he hopes that we develop a heart that sees this purely as a gift from him. I'd be remiss to say that parenting is the only wilderness out there, right? 
our, our wildernesses look a little bit different. Not everyone is called into parenting by faith. For some of us, it's an invitation to follow God into a family life that doesn't allow for children of our own. In this wilderness, you learn to trust and see God's goodness and faithfulness when it doesn't show up in the way that you might expect it to. For some people, our wilderness could be a crisis of faith. We may be wrestling with, with whether or not we believe this to be true, the things that we've been taught since we were children. For, for, the other, for others, the wilderness may be an, un, an abrupt and unexpected change in your career, an end to the vocation you've been walking in, the, the job you've been living out. The, the wilderness may be uh, an unwanted or unexpected divorce. For some, it may be a, a physical loss, such as loss of hearing or, or a loss of sight. For some, it, it just may be an extreme sense of hopelessness as you think about where is my life going? What am I to do? What, what comes ahead? I don't know, and I'm not sure where to find that answer. See, our, our, our wilderness experiences may look different from person to person. Uh, the, the wilderness may look different from time to time or from season to season, but what, what I want us to all understand today is that, that we're all invited into this wilderness by faith. That God is calling us out into the wilderness to grow us by faith and to transform our hearts and minds as he prepares us for the future that he's leading us to. So how do we live our lives in, in this time between now and when Christ returns? By faith. We live each day trusting God for our every need. Just like Ethan's mother had to look outside of herself for strength each day, so we need to look outside of ourselves for strength each day. We're not intended to depend on ourselves as we walk through this wilderness. Just as Ethan's mom is not intended to depend on herself to know each twist and turn and decision to make for her own child, God has, has invited us to depend on him, to trust in him. Just as he invited Abraham to trust him, to go, to leave his father, to leave his family, to leave his neighborhood, and, just, and trust God and go. So, so I want us to look at the passage in Deuteronomy 8 that was read before. I want us to, to turn to that passage in our Bibles. Feel free to pull out your, your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's on page 152 of, your, of the Pew Bibles. We're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I want us to look at these first 10 verses. Now, I, I have to warn you, there is more to these 10 verses than we're going to be able to cover today. But I want to, I want to glean a few things with us. I, I recognize that we can go deeper because the reality is what these 10 verses describe is what the life of faith looks like with Jesus, walking with Jesus through the wilderness. And we're going to see that, but I certainly believe that if we had more weeks to spend in this one passage, we would be able to explore the depth and the riches of it even more. I want to read for us Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. And, and I want you to think about what wilderness God has invited you into or what your wilderness looks like now. Maybe you've already heard the call of God in your heart and you've followed him in faith. And I want you to consider what does your wilderness look like and what, how is God calling you and inviting you to walk with him in that wilderness? Hear the words of, as recorded by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that, you might, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, 
but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall, be, you shall eat and be full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I wonder if you'll allow me to pray for God's word and thank him for this day. Father, we come before your word and we recognize that your word is life to us. These are not just pages on a word to us, Lord. This is not just an exploration into history as we know it and believe it to be true. This is much more than that. This is the God of all creation speaking into our hearts and our minds and our lives. Lord, we come to you with grateful hearts for this. But we also ask, Lord, that, that your word would transform us, that it would give us strength for the journey, that it would give us uh, the, the sense of ability to persevere because you are with us, you are strengthening us, and you are leading us, Lord. Father, we thank you, as Pastor Dave prayed earlier in the service, for the, the many mothers in our lives. We thank you that, that they have been um, your representatives in our families that they, could, that they could represent your love and your faithfulness, and we thank you for that. Lord, we just pray that, um, that you would be glorified now as we think about walking through the wilderness with you, as you've invited Israel to walk through the wilderness so many years ago. Lord, we just ask you would be glorified now in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I mentioned, there's, there's a lot to this passage that we would want to consider, and so... Um, don't ever hesitate to go back and look, look this, these passages over, these verses over again and again and again. But I want to draw our attention to a few things this morning. As we, as we look at this passage, um, I, I want us to, to keep in mind what's actually happening here. Now, in Deuteronomy, uh, it's actually, uh, the, the Greeks translated it as the second law, but, but that's actually a little bit misleading because it isn't a second law. It's actually just a reiteration of the first law. What Moses is doing is he's, he's standing with the Israelites on the plains of Moab, basically just on the other side of the Jordan River, before they're to cross over the Jordan River into this land that God promised to Abraham so many years before. And God is preaching to, or Moses is preaching to them and, and encouraging them as they prepare to do that very thing, to cross over into the promised land. So it's, it's not so much a, a second law, but an opportunity for Moses to preach and to encourage the people of Israel. You know, I know that when Pastor Dave gets up here and preaches with us, and, and, or when I'm up here, or certainly when Pastor Chris is up here, or any of our guest preachers, we have a, a desired intent. We want to encourage the hearts and minds of God's people. We, we want God's word to transform their hearts and minds. We, we want them to experience God through his word and, and grow in faith and in trust. 
And that's certainly what Moses' intent is here in the book of Deuteronomy. And what we see here in in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in particular is some very close encouragement for how God has used them in the wilderness, how he's been at work in them, so that as they step forward into the promised land, they would step forward with confidence. Their identity as his people would not change. They would not be overcome by the distractions of the world and the land that they were stepping into, but they would remember that everything they have is a gift from God. You know, that's what God desires for you and me as well. He he desires that we would not be distracted by this world, by the things of this world. We would receive what he offers us in this world as a gift from his hand. That we would maintain and persevere and grow in the faith to to walk with him and to, 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 to be in relationship with him each and every day. And so Moses wants to remind the Israelites then of God's faithfulness to them. He wants to remind them that that God has been trustworthy to them throughout the entire wandering for them in the wilderness. So as we look closely at this passage this morning, hopefully we can all hear and see together God's invitation to trust him and to depend on him in the wilderness. And certainly as we take a closer look at the wilderness experience of Israel, I hope you're going to come to see that our story shares a lot in common with Israel's story. Because we're going to come to see that God's wilderness has a purpose, God's wilderness has a path. God's wilderness, or in God's wilderness, he gives us provisions. And God leads us through the wilderness to a place. Four P's. That's perfect. Wait a minute. Oh, a fifth P. There you go. Five P's. Write them down now, and you can, uh, I'll, we'll fill them in as we go later on in the morning. It's too, too early for corny jokes. I understand. <laughs> I've been up early. It's Mother's Day, so bear with me. In the, the passage I just read for us, uh, Moses reminds us that the Israelites, uh, that reminds us and the Israelites that, that God called them into the wilderness for a purpose. He says in chapter 8, verse 1 of Deuteronomy, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess that land, the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Now, there, there's a reason why God is, uh, is reminding the Israelites through Moses of the law. There's a reason why he's reminding them of of what God has already done and why God has given them that law. He he recognizes that that he has rescued them from a place and he's leading them to a place and God desires that they would be his people set apart, not looking like the culture, the, the world around them, but looking like the people that he created them to be. God rescued and redeemed his people out of slavery in Egypt and he rescued them right out into the wilderness. And he did this for a purpose. From the early chapters in Genesis, it's been God's plan to, to rescue and to redeem his people out of slavery, uh, slavery to sin. For the Israelites, it was a physical slavery in Egypt, but it was also a spiritual slavery. And this slavery, slavery is real for you and for me. You see, Egypt were, 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 uh, were Israel's taskmasters. They were their masters. Whatever the Egyptians said, the Israelites had to do. You know, our story is a lot like Israel's story. Our rescue is a lot like Israel's rescue. There's a battle being waged for the authority of our hearts and minds, just as there was a battle waged for the hearts and minds of Israel. Paul talks about this in the New Testament, about the difference between the works of the flesh versus the the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. 
Is it, is it us, the, the, us pursuing the works of the flesh, the, the desires of the flesh, the things that we, we, we think we need that never fully satisfy? Or, or, or are we surrendering our hearts and our minds to Jesus, allowing him to do a work in our hearts and minds to satisfy us with the things that are good, his word which gives life? Paul actually says at one point, in case you feel any sense of guilt right now, Paul says at one point that he does not do the things he wishes he would do, and he does do the things he wishes he would not do. Can you relate to Paul? Do you have a sense that you do the things that, that you say, or that you say the things that you don't mean to say, or that you think the things you wish you didn't think? Do you have a sense that there are things you should be thinking, saying, or doing that you just aren't? See, the reality is if, if you answered yes to that last question, then you realize that there is someone or something that has authority over you, over your heart and your mind and your soul right now. Paul says in Romans 6, verse 16, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. The choices are clear for Paul. You could be led by a ruthless taskmaster called sin, whose tools are guilt and shame. I'm sure we all know those tools very well. Or you could be led by a loving creator who shepherds his people in grace and truth. See, growing up, I remember living in my early years in this house in, in Shelton, actually, just down the road. And we lived in this house that, that um, it, it, it was kind of on a hill, as many things are in Shelton. Um, and and uh, the front of it had steep stairs. And then you step off the stairs and there's a, a very steep hill. And at the bottom of the hill was a very busy road. So you can imagine it wasn't very safe for me to, to play outside in the front yard. Beyond the fact that it wasn't safe... I was actually, I remember being scared. Now, I wasn't very old, but my memory of that front yard is thinking that if I step one step off those steps, I'm actually just going to roll out of control. I'm sure that wasn't reality, but that was, that was what I remember, right? So I was limited and restricted where I could go and play in my yard when we lived in Shelton. Well, then we, we moved as a family to upstate New York. And when we got there, the, 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 the house we lived in had a spacious yard. It, it, it was much larger. It had its boundaries still. There was still a road that went by. There were still neighbors to be concerned about. But it was a spacious yard. And it was a much different experience. Even the street was safe enough for us to play kickball in or, or, or street hockey. In one of my childhood homes, I was restricted by fear. But in the other childhood home, I had the freedom of safety and spaciousness still within boundaries. See, when, when God leads us out into the wilderness, he rescues us from a slavery to sin and, and this insatiable selfishness that's our humanity. And he leads us out into the freedom of the wilderness where we learn to trust him and obey him and experience his love. There's still boundaries in the wilderness. There's still dangers out there in the wilderness. But there is a freedom from the slavery that God has rescued us from. This, this is the purpose that God has for us in the wilderness. He, he wants us to place our hearts and our minds under his loving authority and trust that, that, that we'll be in the refuge of a loving and gracious God. 
the wilderness God calls us into has a purpose. That's our first P. Our wilderness experiences do have a purpose, but they also have a path. Now, I, real quickly, as a little side note, I will say that if we don't understand that first P and that last P, the place, then these middle two are a little bit more difficult for us. Consider verse 2 of our passage. You shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. See, for, for Moses, looking back over their time in the wilderness, their steps that they had taken, what was a practice meant to recognize that God was their help, that God was trustworthy to them, that he could be depended upon, and to see that it, his path was good. It was a, a spiritual discipline of sorts. Moses wanted the Israelites to see what the wilderness was in their lives. It was a path of discipleship in which God shaped their hearts and minds after his. It was a place where he molded them into his people who trust him, who obey him, who, who depend on him for their every need. So they would look more like the people of God and less like the people of Canaan, the land which they were about to enter into. God cares about transforming our hearts. He cares about rescuing us, but he cares about us walking with him and looking like him even more. That we would live with him. Not just that we would sit down someday, pray a prayer of surrender, and then move on with our lives, but that we would receive this God's desire to rescue us, to lead us out of slavery, and continue to walk with him in faith in the wilderness. See, the reality is the wilderness is not a sandals resort. That's why many of us are okay to get to that place where we surrender our hearts to Jesus, but many of us lose the encouragement. We, we lose the perseverance. We lose sense of, of maintaining the path because the reality is the path is not necessarily a comfortable one. The wilderness is a place where everything that is not of God is stripped away. Behind it all, we see the God who created us providing for us, sustaining us, leading and guiding us. Now, I would, I would go back to say parenting is probably still one of the easiest ways for us to, to understand this. Because it's in parenting where we find ourselves on our knees begging God to give us the strength and the wisdom to raise our children to know and love the Lord, to walk in this world, to be safe and protected, to be contributors in this world. I, I've, I've heard parents' stories time and time again where they've just been at a place of, of complete abandon and surrender, not abandoning their children but abandoning any sense of reality that they know what the best thing to do for their children is. Searching for a job is extremely humbling as well, just, just so you know that it's not just parenting that's a wilderness, or, or that in, in, in walking through this role of parenting, we learn to be deeply dependent on God. Searching for a job is certainly that place. I remember shortly after we got married, we moved to New York, and I, uh, I was looking for a new job, and I thought, man, I got this. I'm... I'm a college grad. I've got some experience. I, I interview well. It's not going to be that hard. But the days and the weeks went by. And it became more and more difficult, not only to find the right job, but, but to, to actually uh, to, to nail the job down. 
toward the end of my time in this season of, the, of my wilderness, um, I remember kneeling at my couch and pleading with God for answers because I'd finally realized I don't have the answers. I, I don't know what job is best for me. I don't know which, which company will, will trust me to fulfill the role that they need filled. But I know that God does. And I, I learned that only through walking through that experience. Whatever yours looks like. In the wilderness, God allows us to be humbled, to learn to depend on him. Now, this, this isn't a humility where, it, where, where we think of ourselves less. It's a humility where we say the strength is not in me. The, the knowledge of, or the answers are not in me. They're only from the Lord. God provides a job. God provides me wisdom and patience and grace as a parent. God gives me the strength to walk through this illness or this challenge. It's a humility that is not thinking less of myself, but thinking more of God. Filling my heart and mind with more of him and less of a self-dependence. There's a passage in Philippians 2 that's sometimes referred to as the Christ hymn, and it describes this humility for us. Let me read it for us. It's in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Get this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. I, I, didn't, I didn't go to that passage because I looked up in my concordance that it had humble in it. I went to that because we see Jesus, the very one who rescues us and redeems us, living out the humility that he invites us to, to live in. Out of trust and obedience to his Father, Jesus took on the form of our humanity. He didn't say, you know what, I'm going to just stay up here in heaven and let things roll out and work out on their own down there on earth. He said, I'm going to take on the form of humanity. He took on our humanity. So that he could be obedient to his father's will and die on a cross out of love for you and for me, but out of humble obedience to his, his heavenly father as well. See, the reality is that, that we, uh, we're called to live that, that humility as well. Jesus lived out that humility so, so well recorded and well uh, known in the Garden of Gethsemane, Right? We remember on the night that he was betrayed, he knelt in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he prayed, not my will be done, but thy will be done. The wilderness prepares us to pray along with Jesus. In our wilderness, we have an opportunity to pray, not my will be done, but thy will be done. This is the humility that Israel learned in the wilderness, and this is the humility that we learn as well when we walk in our wilderness experience. Whatever season or chapter it's in, between when God rescues us out of slavery and when Jesus returns, we get the opportunity, I would say, even every day, not my will be done, but thy will be done. You know, before we go any further, I just, I just want to touch on something that may seem a little bit off topic for this. But, you know, the difficult pathway of humility in the wilderness, it's not exactly God exacting judgment on us. Sure, there are some of the most difficult and humbling experiences in our lives that, that are the direct result of bad choices, sinful choices that we have made in our lives, that we're responsible for, certainly. But they also could just be part of the wilderness landscape. 
They could just be part of the journey. Either way, it's important for us to know that that God can use whatever circumstances we face to lead us down his pathway. There are some of us here who are in circumstances that have no reason for being as bad as they are. You know what that circumstance may be. As far as I know, there's no specific reason why my, my daughter was born with congenital heart defects. But what I learned is that this doesn't make God any less loving or any, any less good. See, behind the clouds of that scary news and those scary circumstances, I knew that there was still a God who loved me. There was still a God who was good. There was still a God who has a plan. He has a pathway through this wilderness and that he's leading me and guiding me down. You want a, a biblical example of what this might look like? Consider the life of Joseph. Joseph was greatly loved by his father, and his brothers were jealous of this. The first opportunity they got, they sold him into slavery with some Midianite travelers who then took him to Egypt where they sold him as a slave to one of Pharaoh's officers. And, and, and so Joseph became, became a slave in the house of one of Pharaoh's officers. Not exactly probably what he anticipated, not what he expected when, when he left the love of his father, went to go visit his brothers. Probably not the, the landscape that he anticipated walking down. But the Lord was with Joseph, we're told. And so he, he made Joseph successful in, in the officer's house. This is Potiphar. Things are going better for Joseph until one day Potiphar's wife comes to Joseph and makes a pass at him. Joseph refuses. He makes a good choice. But sometimes we don't have control over those circumstances because Potiphar's wife claims that he engaged in an inappropriate relationship with Joseph. Joseph is thrown in prison. And he sits there for a couple years, but you know what? God is with Joseph in prison. And and he makes him even successful there. He becomes somewhat of a leader even in prison. And he's faithful to the Lord day by day until one day uh, Pharaoh calls for Joseph and asks him to interpret a dream. A dream that was scary for Pharaoh, but what ultimately became true was an anticipation that there would be a famine in the land. And so Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of the land. He, he kind of puts him in charge of gathering grain and, and making sure that when the famine comes, that there will be food for the people. Some, one day, uh, Joseph's family finds themselves enduring this famine. They, they need to go to Egypt to buy food. And so they come, they see Joseph, and, and fear overwhelms them. To make a long story short, one day Joseph's father does die. And his brothers are afraid that they're going to that Joseph's going to exact revenge on them now that dad's out of the way. And so they stand in front of him terrified, not sure what to say other than that we're sorry. But what I love in that moment is Joseph's response. In Genesis 50, he says to them in verses 19 through 20, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, what, what Joseph credits to God is not the cause of the troubles he's had to endure, but the redemption of the troubles he's gone through. He doesn't say that God caused him to be sold into slavery or thrown into jail, but that God used those things to put him in a place where he could wisely provide food for many, many people during a time of drought and famine. See, God has you on a pathway this morning, I'm sure. Is it possible that God wants to use this pathway? Is it, is it possible that God wants to use you along the way 
to feed the hungry hearts and minds and souls of people wandering in the wilderness. See, we do have food to offer to hungry souls. We have the good news of Jesus Christ. People don't know that it's a, a, a plush banquet before them. But we could be like Joseph, dependent on God and seeing those opportunities to, to take what may be difficult circumstances in our lives and use them to feed other people. See, God's greatest good for us is not a safe, comfortable retirement where, where we go off into the pasture. This may be our dream. I know it's been my dream from time to time of one day resting here on this side of heaven. But I'm not sure it's necessarily consistent with God's dream as I understand it. See, God's plan is to deal with sin and to reconcile this world to him. And this is the ministry we have a part in. Feel free to write 2 Corinthians 5 down because it's a a verse uh, in verses 18 and 19 where you will see that this is your ministry and my ministry in the wilderness. We take part in the, the ministry that God has given us. God's wilderness has a purpose. To feed the hungry, to trust in him, to be dependent on him, to see how he will lead us through the pathways. But God's wilderness also has a path, and in that path we learn that God provides. Follow along in Deuteronomy 8 as we consider how God is a God who provides for his people in the wilderness. Verse 3, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. See, God provided for Israel because it's who God is. It's what he does. In the wilderness, Israel learned to obey and trust God. They they learned to trust him to provide all of their needs. If you were to do a study of of the names of God, one of the names we see in the Bible is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord provides or the Lord will provide. We're told in in Exodus 12 that that when God led uh, Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness, they had very little. That, That when he led them out of slavery into this new unknown land, they had very little to take with them. See, God wanted them to learn a deep dependence on him, that he would provide for them in that wilderness. Learning this deep dependence on God in the wilderness is God's desire for you and for me as well. That the wilderness we're in, there are going to be times where we realize we have need of things. And so God wants to develop our hearts and minds, to build that muscle memory that we would recognize that everything we have is from the Lord. Look at verse 3 again. He says, He humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna that you did not know, that you nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. God fed Israel with manna each day so they would build a habit of believing and knowing that, that it was God who was their provider and he was dependable. If in Exodus 16, we were told a little bit about how Israel was introduced to the manna. 
If we look in verse 4 of Exodus 16, we see God giving them instructions, the people of Israel, instructions on how to deal with this. And it's not that he said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver manna to you, and I want you to, to, to gather a week's worth or a month's worth. He says, gather a day's worth. Listen to the words of Exodus 16.4. Then the Lord said to Moses, behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven. Bread from heaven for you and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now what we don't know here is if, if they actually gathered more than a day's worth, the extra would spoil. Whatever they tried to, stay, to save beyond the day would go bad, would spoil. So all they really could do was save enough, enough for the day. God provides for Israel in the desert, but only enough for the day. He, he, he provides their daily bread. Sound familiar? Acknowledging our daily needs being met by God is, is part of the prayer that Jesus prays and taught his, his followers to pray, recorded for us in Matthew chapter 6. It's a prayer that we learn to pray and should pray as often as we can as we walk through the wilderness. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, let's be clear. This isn't just a, a provision of food for our bodies. Literally translated, the words in Deuteronomy 8.3 say that a man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that comes from the mouth of the Lord. There's this inclusiveness that it's not just uh, every word that provides food, but everything. Our every need is met through the mouth of the Lord. This is how Jesus lived his life, deeply dependent on his provisions from the Lord. Shortly after speaking with the woman at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus tells his disciples that he's not hungry because he has food that they do not know. Do you remember that story? Jesus is talking with a Samaritan woman at the well, and, and he, he talks to her about her life, things that, he, that she never told him, nor should he know, unless he is Jesus, right? And, and she's excited. She brings the whole village to her. The disciples are off trying to gather food. They come back, and, and he says he's not hungry. And they say, well, what are you talking about? And he tells them, it's because you, I have food which you do not know. One, one, uh, one commentator I was reading uh, said this about Jesus' interaction in John 4. He says, the creative will of God, realized in obedience, sustains life. So if in his dealings with the Samaritan woman, Jesus was performing his father's will, there was a greater sustenance and satisfaction in that than in any food of the, the disciples could offer him. There's a sense that our obedience to the Lord in the wilderness provides our very needs. That God provides more than we would anticipate as we put our faith and our trust in him as we walk through the wilderness. As we depend on God in the wilderness, we come to know a loving God who provides our every need. So there's, there's a purpose for the wilderness. There's a pathway through the wilderness. We recognize that God is providing for his people in the wilderness. And lastly, God's leading us to a place through the wilderness. This, uh, this last aspect of living in the wilderness is something we've been learning about with Pastor Dave, isn't it? I want you to listen to the place that stood on the other side of Israel's time in the wilderness and where God was leading them to. In Deuteronomy 8, let's pick up in verse 7. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs, 
flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Do you hear the satisfaction and fulfillment that Israel is about to partake in as they cross the Jordan River? Do you, do you hear the description of the fullness and the satisfaction that, that is Israel's because God is leading them to a place? They shall eat and be full. They will worship the Lord. Doesn't that sound so different from the wilderness? Doesn't that sound so different from your wilderness experience? See, Jesus, or God, just as God led the Israelites through the wilderness over 40 years to this land we just read about in Deuteronomy 8, so God is leading us through a wilderness to a place. Your hunger, your thirst, your exhaustion of walking through the wilderness is not pointless. When you think that nothing good is coming of the difficulties you face, remember this. God's leading you to a place. This is the beauty of the promise that Jesus makes in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So we know that Jesus has gone ahead. He's preparing that place for us. He's preparing that place on the other side of the wilderness for us, and so we have much to look forward to. John describes what that place will look like in Revelation 21 and 22, where he said that God's dwelling will be with man. God will walk with us. We We will see him face to face. There will be no more sickness, no more sadness, no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more pain. Our every need will be fulfilled just as the promise was made to Israel that every need will be fulfilled for them. A place where we'll walk in the safety and the security of the Lord and a place where sin won't even be a distant memory. Imagine that. Imagine that you won't even have to remember sin anymore. That it won't even be a distant memory. God is using our wilderness experiences to make us a people who depend on him, who trust in him, who worship him, who declare him as their only authority over their hearts and minds. And when the day comes when Christ returns or when Jesus takes us home to be with him, you can believe that your wilderness experience will not have been pointless wanderings because God has a purpose for your wilderness. God has a path uh, for you through the wilderness. God will provide for you in the wilderness and God will eventually lead you through the wilderness to a place. Trust the Lord today. Take his hand and allow him to rescue you out of slavery and follow him into the wilderness. I just want to challenge us real quickly with three quick things. Uh, uh, things that I think should shape our devotional life as we walk through the wilderness. Simply put, scripture, prayer, and reflection. Scripture, this, you know, this week, take 15 minutes a day. Start reading through Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy. Hear, hear God's words through Moses to Israel. 15 minutes. At the end of 15 minutes, stop there, pick it up the next day. Allow yourselves to be fed with the word of God. Start each day in prayer. If it's a matter of memorizing the Lord's Prayer, go for it. If you haven't already done so, it's a great prayer to have in mind. And pray it before your feet hit the ground. Before you get out of your bed, before you check your phone, before you do anything else, pray the Lord's Prayer. And lastly, let me encourage you to to reflect. Reflect on your day. Recognize, just as Israel was being challenged to remember God's faithfulness to them in the wilderness, 
I wonder what it would look like if we took each day and, and reflected and remembered our day and remembered where God was faithful to us, where he led us through the circumstances of our day, how he empowered us or, or gave us wisdom. Reflect on your day and remember God's faithfulness to you. I, I know that it, scripture, prayer, and reflection, very important tools to cultivate life in the wilderness, I think. One of the things I remember my mom said to me at a time when, when the, the landscape of her wilderness was particularly difficult. She was very thankful, actually. And she said, Dan, if I, knew all the, uh, if I knew where God was leading me to at this point in my wilderness experience, I would happily go through the difficult terrain I've gone through. See, I think she exemplifies for me the gratitude it is to walk through the wilderness hand in hand with the Lord. And I think those tools of reading the word of God, praying, even if it's the Lord's prayer, but before your feet even hit the ground, offering him up your day, offering him the landscape you're about to walk through, and then taking time at the end of the day to remember and to, to, to see God's hand in your life. I think we're going to see that in the wilderness, God, God has that purpose for you. God has a purpose for that wilderness in your life. God's leading you down a path. He's providing for you. Because ultimately, he desires to lead you to a place where we will dwell with him forever. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you use these wilderness experiences in our lives for a reason. We thank you for that, Lord. We give you all the honor and glory and praise for that. Lord, I pray for strength for people today, for for those who are in a particularly difficult place in the landscape of their wilderness experience. But Lord, I pray that they would see you leading them. I, I pray that they would see your hand guiding them. I I pray that you would strengthen not to to give up uh, the hope that is to see you work out your promises in their lives as they walk with you through the wilderness, just as Israel walked through the wilderness and became more and more like your people. Lord, thank you for your word, which sustains us, which which strengthens us. Thank you that you are a God who provides. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, Let's continue.